Uh, I invite you now. Let's uh, let's kneel. Let's have a a word of prayer, um, and then we can uh, get into our study here this morning. So, I invite you to uh, to kneel with me now. Father in heaven, we're so very thankful for this opportunity to come together and worship you uh, by whatever medium we, we can through the internet and, and uh, here uh, physically. We pray that you will continue to bless us with your presence. Give us that taste of heaven that we so desire uh, that you've promised for this day and fellowship with thee and heavenly angels. We ask humbly for the Holy Spirit to, to help us Lord, to strengthen us and give us courage and, and uh, to encourage us to continue in our walk of faith. Uh, Lord, we praise You so much for even the, the, the difficulties that come our way, for we know that they, they tend to serve uh, a better path of righteousness for us. It's a test for us. And though you know, we have some things in our family that... Uh, uh, that we're not uh, very happy about um, some decisions that, uh, that are being contemplated and they're troubling to us as parents. We pray that uh, you will help us to see that we we did the best we could in raising uh, our children up in the way that they should go, and we trust Proverbs twenty two six and your promise there. Um, please be with my wife as she. Uh, reconciles the word with with her feelings and give her comfort and peace. Uh, we praise the Lord for your loving care and your patience for all of us. Uh, we also uh, praise you for uh, the change in weather. It's not so overbearing and hot. We do have had rain. Well, it's nice to see a green yard, though it's growing incredibly fast. Lord, we appreciate it and we thank you so very, very much. Um, and Lord, we also pray that you will still attend to our needs. Uh, bring comfort to Jerry. Her company is restructuring. She's not sure if uh, what this has in store for her, whether she'll continue to have a job or not. And, and Sister Cindy is going through the uh, same thing she, where she works. She, she's a temporary, but things look like they look promising. Uh, some people will be leaving in the end of this week, and she has four more months that she's been granted, and then maybe the, she'll have a permanent job. We pray that whatever it may be, Lord, that it is according to thy will, that Cindy can be a good witness in that mission field there in her job. Please continue to be with her her sons, Johnny and, and Jerome, and uh, uh, may Jerome uh, be a good witness for you. And we lift up before you our friend Sean. Uh, we don't know the, the situation, but uh, he does, and we know that you do. We pray that you will touch Sean and bring peace to his heart and mind and, and help him with the questions that he may have, Lord, and direct his path in the way that he should go. And Father, I humbly ask that you be with me at this time. Touch my lips with a coal from the altar that uh, what is shared with the congregation now is according to thy will and is the truth and will touch hearts and draw them to the Savior where they may be saved. Thank you so much, Lord, for Jesus. He died a death that we all deserve, and we claim his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we ask forgiveness and help us to walk a good walk of faith and to fight a good battle and bring honor and glory to thy name. We thank you so much for hearing this prayer and answering it, not because we're worthy, but because Jesus is, and we've asked it in his name. Amen.
one of the greatest joys for me is being out in nature. Especially on a Sabbath day. I really, really enjoy that. And not just being out in nature, but uh, one of the better uh, things that I enjoy is like casually walking along a nice creek, you know, and hearing the the water rippling through. It's 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 calming. It's peaceful to me. And I like to walk along such uh, places, and I imagine what creation week must have been like. You know, it takes me back. That's why I say, especially on a Sabbath day, you know, we're to remember and to look back at that week of creation and and i and i my imagination sometimes uh takes captive of my mind so to speak when i think of these things and and i i imagine what it would have would have been like to be there and then i i realize how wonderful our creator is to have made such a beautiful beautiful place for us uh, to live originally And I think about what the earth will be like then when uh, it's made new for all the saints and and what it will be like living here for eternity without a devil, without this opposition, without this enemy, but uh, where love and joy and peace reigns. Do you ever think about that? I mean, isn't that part of the blessed hope? That Jesus is going to come and sin will be destroyed. I find a remarkable rest, beloved, in the presence of God while in His first gospel book of nature. And I want to take advantage of it all now while I can, knowing that very soon there will be a time of trouble such as never was, the Bible tells us. And the opportunity to have such peace and uh, such rest is going to be more difficult then, isn't it? I'll tell you, beloved, that our life from now Till the Lord returns, will be lined with obstacles that must be overcome. And many times, it'll be hard. And it's going to be stressful. So having a day filled with quiet peace and a joyous heart is something I long for each week. The Sabbath is that day. Can I, can I get an amen from you? Do you look forward to the Sabbath day of rest? A chance to get out of the fight and the noise of Babylon and and gain a taste of a better land. You know, the land that God has promised to His saints. You know, as Paul said in Hebrews 11.16, but now they desire a better country. Do you desire a better country? That is a heavenly, he says, a heavenly country whereby God is not ashamed to be called their God for He hath prepared for them a city. Friends, do you long for that land? Sometimes while walking along a, a peaceful creek, I come to a point where, where I need to cross the water and I look around for stones in the creek. You know, uh, Sometimes somebody has gone before me and left stones, a pathway across the creek, but sometimes they haven't. And we look for stones and, and in the creek bed and we sit across the way so I can safely step over to the other side. I leave the stones there then, don't I? Do you ever have you ever done that? Have you ever laid stones across the creek and then once you got across think, well I better get those stones back out? I don't know anybody that's ever done that. Or ever even thinks that. No, we leave them for someone else, don't we? 
We leave the stones for the next person who may come along that same pathway and wish to cross the water to the other side. Such stepping stones are left as a memorial, really, uh, to help others in their walk and point the way across you know, to the other bank. There are many lessons you'll find in the Bible. I was thinking about this. There are many lessons in the Bible where the use of stones played a prominent part in memorializing some event or, or showing the way to go. And I thought, how wonderful is our God to use such things, to teach us lessons. He uses such ordinary pieces of nature that we consider ordinary, uh, in this case some stones, <laughs> to teach us lessons. You know, stones are very much still used today, just as they were in olden times. You know, they're, they're what? They're, they're heavy, they can be, they're hard, they're more permanent than most anything else on the earth. As you go through uh, the Bible, I mean, stones were used for buildings. Stones were used for uh, memorials, for altars, for building altars, for memorials, for pillows even, we're told. And then, of course, we know that God used stone to write His ten character traits, the ten commandments upon They're permanent, at least to us. We are but a whisper in the wind, aren't we? We're like the flower that fades away and the grass that withereth. But a stone, a stone lasts. And knowing this, is it any wonder that in describing the carnal heart of man that God used a stone? Because stone is it's hard, isn't it? But what is encouraging is that with the description also came a promise that God could replace that stone. Isn't that wonderful? It, we were reading out of Ezekiel earlier um, today in Sabbath school, but I want to read to you uh, from Ezekiel 36.26. This is God. He says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. So God promises. He promises to change our heart. He promises to work reformation in our life if we will give ourselves completely over into His hands. He can take away the stone. <laughs> you know, when Jesus was re resurrected, the stone was rolled away, wasn't it? God can roll away the stone. God can take that stone away from us. And He can start us on a path of righteous living leaving memorials and stepping stones along the way to help us in our walk. Now, the process of reform, it's not always easy, is it? It's not easy. Sometimes stones are heavy, but they still got to be picked up and moved. 
In the process of reform, it's wrought with tough decisions. And many times before, I've seen people come to a difficult decision. A decision of change. And the choice was made to stop going further. They come to that creek. They see only two stones. They step on those stones. There's more stones in the creek bed, but they need to be moved in order to continue in the walk. But the work is considered too much, too heavy. It's too much of a burden. And people make that decision to stop going further. They make that decision not to learn about the memorials or to use the stones to pass across the water. And and I'll tell you, friends, if you don't move forward, you're going to move backward in the spiritual life and ultimately forsake it altogether. Although some will be deceived, the vast majority will be deceived that they've really never left the faith, the true faith. That's the deception of the devil. The grand deception. Beloved, we all have some very tough decisions to make as we walk toward the kingdom. But I, I do want... I don't, I don't want to discourage you. Yes, it's tough work. Have you ever gone into a job and it's been hard work and you, you put your mind to it and when you get done, you feel a bit of a satisfaction, don't you? I remember when I first built the, uh, the house. I mean, it got old going to this place day after day after day. You know, putting the foundation in putting the subfloor in, framing up the walls. But at least at the end of the day, you saw that something was accomplished. Probably the hardest part about that was putting all the mechanicals in the house. Because unless you knew what you were looking for, my wife would come in and and she'd walk around the house, it's all framed up and I'm running the wires and she'd come in and she wouldn't think I'd done anything the whole time I'd been there. See? But it's because she didn't know what to look for. See? Well, I'm running wiring through the walls. You're not going to notice that. I'm running uh, the plumbing. I'm running the, you know, roughing in all that. But then when you start to hang the sheetrock, you, you start to see more differences, see? And our spiritual walk can be the same. We can have difficult times and we'll have difficult decisions to make, but if you put your mind to it, people will begin to see a difference in you. They will see changes. That's what God does. He he rolls away the stone. He takes that stone heart out and puts within us a heart of flesh. And what we must uh, always keep in mind, I said I don't want you to get worried or discouraged about how hard the work can be. It's hard to polish stone. Have you ever polished stone before? I have. It takes a grinder. It doesn't take a, a, a you know a buffer. You've got to use a grinder to polish stone. It's very labor intensive. And I want to always tell you and encourage you, don't get discouraged by that, but keep looking up. See? What what we must always keep in mind is that Jesus walks with us in this. And as long as we keep looking to Him, as long as we keep looking up to Him, we can make the tough choices that will keep us moving forward in righteousness. Preparing us to be a citizen of heaven and and the new earth. We must look up to Jesus. 
That's why you you hear me uh, many times, I'll say, keep looking up. And that's what I mean. Keep looking up to Jesus. Don't look down as you, you know, you're going up the ladder. You could get wobbly then. Keep looking up. Don't look straight ahead at others. That'll be discouraging. <laughs> keep looking up. We must look up to Jesus, friends. John chapter 3. You know, most everybody in the whole world knows John chapter 3 and verse 16, but there are verses before 3.16 and after 3.16. John chapter 3, verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave... <laughs> His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him. And that word believeth means commits themselves to. Not just have a knowledge that He exists. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. Why? Because He's consecrated to Him. He looks to Him in His righteous works. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Friends, the only way to the kingdom is through Christ. It's the only way. I'm sorry that that will offend billions of people on this planet, but the truth can offend. The only way to the kingdom is through Jesus Christ. It's amazing to me to see prominent ministers dismiss this truth and proclaim that there are many ways to the kingdom. Friends, that's a lie. That's a lie. There's only one way we can come before the Heavenly Father, and it isn't through Buddha. It isn't through Mohammed. I'm sorry. I didn't make that up. But there's truth and there's error. We have an enemy that is out to deceive us. The way to salvation involves a stone. <laughs> it involves a stone. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it made known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, That's it. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified. And friends, when we sin, do we not crucify Jesus afresh? Is Peter talking to us here? Indeed, I say he is. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by Him does this man stand here before you whole. And Peter says something interesting. He says, this is... Not, not, you know, not that that wasn't interesting in itself. But he goes on, he says, this is the stone, referring to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. Friends, that's what the Bible says. 
And that's the truth. There is salvation only in Christ. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There are many paths in this world, but only one leads to the kingdom of God. Would it be fair to say all others lead away? We must have the head of the corner or we cannot be saved. Jesus is the rock. Isn't that what we're told? He is the rock of our salvation. Jesus is the stone that we are to build upon as we travel the pathway to the kingdom of God. Very interesting what Sister White says in an article reviewing Herald speaking about Jesus. Reviewing Herald, April 19, 1870. Those who are taking notes. She says, When man was plunged in hopeless misery, when death was his portion, Christ left the majesty, splendor, and glory of the heavenly kingdom and humbled Himself to a life of unexampled suffering and humiliation and an ignominious death. Notice this, that He might become a stepping stone for man. Isn't that interesting? It means a terrible... um, that He might become a stepping stone for man, that He might climb up upon His merits and by virtue of His blood become enabled to so to serve God, that He could accept His efforts to keep His broken law and through obedience man could thus be brought back again and reinstated in Eden and share again in the glory that was at first given to the holy pair as they stood in the perfection of beauty and in their holy innocence in the Garden of Eden. Jesus came and exemplified God's character. He came and suffered a death that we deserve that He might become a stepping stone. Isn't that interesting how she describes that? A stepping stone for us that we can climb upon His merits and by virtue of His blood become enabled to serve God to keep His broken law. To keep the commandments. And beloved, we each have, we each have creeks to cross from time to time in our walk and we need a stepping stone. <laughs> we need Christ. We need the power and victory that Christ provides. And speaking to that, I want you to notice what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to spend some time here with what Peter says here. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Peter says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So, Peter here, he's saying, everything, God has given everything in Christ 
that pertains to living a righteous life and having a godly life. To be saved, to be forgiven, saved, and live a righteous life. It's been given to us through Christ. Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So He calls us to bring glory to His name and live a virtuous life. And then he says in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, Peter's not just saying that God has given us great and precious promises. <laughs> okay? But he's saying that with each promise that God has given us also comes the fulfillment that we become partakers of that divine nature. In the quote I shared from Review and Herald, it talked about bringing back to Eden how our first parents had lost their innocence there and sinned. Adam was created originally, friends, in the image of God. But sin came. And the divine image was marred in humanity. Christ came to restore that life that we And we may therefore expect to have the divine image restored in us if we accept and use the powers that are latent in the spiritual grip, those gifts that, that the Holy Spirit gives us that are available to us. This is part of what Peter's telling us. And this transformation in our life, it begins at the new birth. Remember we talked about how God will take that stone out of our chest. It's a spiritual sense. That stony heart and give us a heart of flesh. That new birth. It begins then and it, it continues until Jesus returns. Until His second coming. And just before. Essentially, Peter is saying that the believer is not saved in sin. That's what he's saying. But is given power to turn from sin, to escape from its clutches, and to live free from its corrupting influence. That's what Peter's saying. And something also I want to make clear here, and I believe it must be made clear in what Peter is saying, is how he uses the Greek tense of the verb having escaped. It's really interesting how he uses it. He uses it to show that the sharing in the divine nature can come only after the Christian has fled from the corruption. In other words, after confessing and repenting. So you see, what Peter is talking about is power to turn from sin, not being saved in sin. You escape it through Christ. And it was as I was thinking about the different Bible uses, you know, for stones and Jesus being our stepping stone, and and I was contemplating what Peter was saying here in in verse four, and and, and I was led, you know, I did a I did a, a Bible search for the word stones. <laughs> I do that from time to time. See how many times it's mentioned. You know, take every place that it's mentioned and see if it what it has to say. And what's the context of it all? What's it mean? There are 158 times in the King James Version Bible where the word stones is used. 
And the very first place is mentioned in Genesis 28, and it's actually mentioned in a very powerful story, and there's a lesson there. And if you'll go to Genesis chapter 28, let's go there. I'm going to move a little bit more quickly here, because I have a lot I want to share, and I think this is, uh, this is something that uh, we need to get through. And I think you can understand it rather quickly. Here we have an example of Jacob. Jacob came to a a point in his life where he felt utter despair. A point where he thought he was a failure. A point where he was all alone. Uh, A point where he longed to to partake of the divine nature and to have the blessings of God. But, But the decision was a hard one. And all who have given themselves to Jesus have gone through the same type of struggle uh, as Jacob here. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. So then Jacob went out from Beersheba and he went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and he tarried there all night because the sun was set. And notice this, it says, And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows. Isn't that rather interesting? And he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, and he's speaking to Jacob in this dream, isn't he? I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest. To thee will I give it, and to thy seed." And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee. How would you like God to tell you that? Do you know that God already has? And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Jacob was longing to be with God, to be blessed of God. He knew what he had done in deceiving his brother uh, was wrong. He was fleeing from the wrath of his brother, felt all alone, was seeking God, wanted to be forgiven. God comes to him in a dream. And speaking about this from the book Conflict and Courage, page 64, threatened with death by the wrath of Esau, Jacob went out from his father's home a fugitive, but he carried with him the father's blessing. Isaac had renewed to him the covenant promise and had bidden him as its inheritor to seek a wife of his mother's family in Mesopotamia. Yet it was with a deeply troubled heart that Jacob set out on his lonely journey. With only his staff in his hand, he must travel hundreds of miles through a country inhabited by wild, roving tribes. In his remorse and timidity, he sought to avoid men lest he should be traced by his angry brother. Notice this. He feared that he had lost forever the blessing that God had purposed to give him, and Satan was at hand to press temptations upon him. Have we had similar doubts? Have we had similar experiences? Satan is there, friends, to press his temptations upon us. 
The darkness of despair pressed upon his soul, and he hardly dared to pray. But he was so utterly lonely that he felt the need of protection from God as he had never felt it before. And notice this. With weeping and deep humiliation he confessed his sin and entreated for some evidence that he was not utterly forsaken. God did not forsake Jacob. His mercy was still extended to his erring, distrustful servant. The Lord compassionately revealed just what Jacob needed. What was it that Jacob needed? More than that, what is it that we all need? A Savior. Salvation, a Savior. Now, what was Jacob's reaction to the dream? Let's go back to Genesis 28. What was his reaction? Did he get up and say, Boy, I must have ate something weird last night. I had one of the weirdest dreams you'd ever imagine. Was that his reaction? No, it wasn't his reaction at all. It was written. Genesis 28, verse 16, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. (laughs) And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! He thought he'd entered into a gateway to heaven by mistake. And he was afraid he's in the presence of God. This is none other but the house of God, he says. And this is the gate of heaven. Verse 18. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. Verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. And that's what he longed for. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Jacob knew about tithing, you see. But it says there that Jacob vowed a vow. In fact, it's the first recorded vow in the Bible. Did you know that? Let me ask you, how many of you today will make a vow to God? By taking a vow, a person binds themselves to do certain things in a specified way. And since the fulfillment of Jacob's vow depended upon God's power, we can't misunderstand this. Let's not misunderstand this. You know, his vow depended upon God's power and it was made to God. It actually was a form of a prayer. It was not made in a, oh, like a mercenary spirit, but in gratitude. It was made in humility and, in, and confidence. And what I'm saying is that this vow in no way implies doubt in Jacob's mind as to whether God would fulfill his promises. Or that Jacob was proposing terms to God. You know what I mean? Jacob took the Lord at His word. And since he had graciously promised to be with him and to bless him, he on his part would be faithful to God. 
And from this time forward, Jacob gave evidence of his loyalty to God. He yielded himself to to God's control and he rendered to God the homage of a, a grateful and loving heart. And grace reigned within Jacob. But there was conflict as well. And this is where many people misunderstand. You see, his tendencies to evil remained active. And occasionally he yielded all too readily to them. But right principles, friends, steadily gained control of his life. And he returned to Canaan with a mature trust in God. And under that patient discipline that God administered to him, he gained in faith until from the great crisis of his life there at Peniel, you know, arguably it was Jacob's greatest struggle. We call it Jacob's struggle. He emerged a new man. And God gave him a new name, Israel. Which means a prince with God. (laughs) Beloved, all who have taken... Let me remind you of this. Talking about vows. All who have taken the baptismal vow have solemnly consecrated themselves to the service of God. They are under covenant obligation to place themselves, and if they have children, their children, where they may obtain all possible incentives and encouragements in living a Christian life. And they believe that God will fulfill His Word to them as by faith they keep their vow to Him. Vows are... You know, I encourage you to do a study about vows. You know, when I was raised, my my dad taught me that my word, when I gave my word, it was my bond. And if you ever break your word, you've broken your bond and it destroys your name and reputation, your good character. And that's biblical. It's a biblical principle. Deuteronomy 23 verse 21 says, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. So God takes it very seriously, doesn't He? And we should as well. That's why before you know young people get married, they're taking vows to each other, and before God, they need to understand what a vow, how serious a vow is. They better be right And they're thinking that that partner is the one that God has led into their life. That's all I'll say about that. Get back to Jacob's dream. What was the meaning of his dream? From the book Christian Education, page 155, the ladder which Jacob saw in the night vision, the base of it resting upon the earth and the topmost round reaching unto the highest heavens, God Himself above the ladder and His glory shining upon every round, angels ascending and descending upon this ladder of shining brightness, is a symbol of constant communication kept up between this world and heavenly places. God accomplishes His will through the instrumentality of heavenly angels in continual intercourse with humanity. This ladder reveals a direct an important channel of communication with the inhabitants of this earth. Now notice this. The latter represented to Jacob the world's Redeemer who links earth and heaven together. 
She goes on, she says, Everyone who has seen the evidence and light of truth and accepts the truth, professing their faith in Jesus Christ, is a missionary in the highest sense of the word. He is the receiver of heavenly treasures, and it is his duty to impart them, to diffuse that which he has received. And I will tell you, when you give your life to Christ, you recognize that. You want to share that with others. And I ask, have you seen the evidence in light of truth? (laughs) Have you accepted the truth, professing faith in Jesus Christ? Are you a missionary of heavenly treasures? Do you know how to use the ladder? (laughs) You know, the ladder has rungs that lead upward in a spiritual sense to recreate us in the image of God if we climb it. So we climb the ladder as we learn more and more of Jesus and exercise faith in Him to become all He wants us to be. To reflect His image again. Getting back to Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. I probably should have told you to put your finger there before we went to Genesis. telling us about God's promises and becoming a part of the divine nature, Peter gives us directions on how we walk the new pathway. Look at verse 5. Peter says, and besides this, these precious promises, you know, we become partakers of the divine nature. And he goes on, he says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Virtue is, is, means you have moral excellence. You know, a manly, strenuous energy, the Greek word means. You know, a moral excellence with energy. You do it energetically. Not because, "Eh, you know, I have to. It becomes a part of you. He says, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and, and, and understanding of God's ways and plans for you, friends. That's the kind of knowledge that's being spoken of, rather than just a mere intellectual knowledge, which is important too. And then he says, and to knowledge temperance. Well, I'll tell you, faith and virtue and knowledge will be of little help if it's not accompanied by self-control. <laughs> Some people, they, they come to know Jesus, they're so new in the faith, they forsake everything that they have without seeing if that was God's will. And they jump right in, and then pretty soon the devil's got them into a corner in one way or another, and their faith is trampled upon, and they, it may be destroyed altogether. We are to have balanced minds with Jesus. Jesus had a balanced mind. And that's our example. We're not to be overzealous. We can be zealous to good works, but not overzealous. That leads into one ditch or the other. Extremism of legalism or presumption. Self-control. You add to knowledge temperance. That's self-control. And to temperance, patience. Here's the patience of the saints. <laughs> Revelation 14, 12. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Steadfast perseverance under adversity. That's the patience. 
It may seem hard right now. Remember I talked about hard work? But persevere. Be steadfast. And then Peter says, into patience, godliness. That's a a piety or a a reverence toward God. And in fact, it's this quality that will prevent us from becoming self-righteous because it keeps us humble. It keeps us gentle as the Savior is. Verse 7, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. Now the, the Greek word here for brotherly kindness there is actually Philadelphia. It means love of the brethren. We must love each other as we do our own body, friends. And then he says, into brotherly kindness, charity. Well, that's the Greek word agape. And this is the true Christian affection that that seeks only the good of the one who is loved. Agape is an affection based on knowledge and reason. It's not sentimentalism. It's an affection that is willing to sacrifice self for the best good of others. And this is what God feels for Christ and for men. And what He wishes men to feel for one another. It's His character. God is love. God is agape. And this is the capstone, the crown of all the preceding qualities that are listed here by Peter. It is the greatest of all virtues. It is that which must govern all we do. Agape. All the virtues meet in this greatest trait. And all others fail and are less than nothing without it. As Paul says, without love, none of these other things mean anything. Without agape, without this type of charity. And so Peter is laying out the stepping stones of our spiritual walk. And as individuals, we're to climb the ladder. We're to teach our families to climb the ladder. We're we're to teach our church family, our neighbors in the world to climb the ladder. Step by step, we are examples to others as we climb. And step by step, we're, we're to cross the Jordan waters using these stepping stones. And this is the way toward true reformation and character perfection, friends. And if we climb, we become like Jesus. And that's the goal. He draws us. That's why I keep saying, and I remind you, just keep looking up. No matter how difficult it gets, don't grumble. Jesus went through much worse than we ever will. Keep looking up. And if we step on these stepping stones, we become like Jesus. And and don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by the devil into thinking that this is salvation by works. You notice what the first step is? The first step is faith. (laughs) You have to take a step of faith. Paul said in Romans 10.17, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Paul goes on, he says, all of us have been given a measure of faith. So we each begin really at rung number one in the ladder, that first step. We each begin with the first stepping stone of faith. We go to the book Maranatha, page 84. I've got three, is there three, three quotes here I want to share with you very quickly. This is Maranatha, page 84. 
She says, point the youth to Peter's ladder of eight rounds and place their feet, not on the highest round, but on the lowest, and with earnest solicitation urge them to climb to the very top. Christ is the ladder. The base is planted firmly on the earth in His humanity. The topmost round reaches to the throne of God in His divinity. The humanity of Christ embraces fallen humanity while His divinity lays hold upon the throne of God. We... She says, we are saved, get this, by climbing. We are saved by climbing round after round of the ladder, looking to Christ, clinging to Christ, mounting step by step to the height of Christ, so that He is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity are the rounds of this ladder. All these graces are to be manifested in your Christian character. You are not to think that you must wait until you have perfected one grace before cultivating another. No, they are to grow up together. Every day that you live, you can be perfecting the blessed attributes fully revealed in the character of Christ. Amen and amen. Do not become overwhelmed with the great amount of work you must do in your lifetime, for you are not required to do it all at once. (laughs) Isn't that remarkable? Some people see how much work is involved and they go, oh, there's just too much there. I'm not even going to start. Well, God doesn't require us to do it all at once. She says, let every power of your being go to each day's work. Improve each precious opportunity. Appreciate the helps that God gives you and make advancement up the ladder of progress step by step. Remember that you are to live but one day at a time, that God has given you one day, and heavenly records will show how you have valued its privileges and opportunities. May you so improve every day given you of God that at last you may hear the Master say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Are we going to climb the ladder today, beloved? Are we going to do it? Are we going to lift up Jesus to our family, to the church, to the neighborhood, to the world? Are we going to step on the stepping stones to cross the creek? Are are we going to follow the memorials that are left for us? Or will we turn back and go back to our old habits? Each day has the choice. Here's another one. Review and Herald, May 31st, 1870. There is no such thing as Christians coming down upon a level. As we embrace the truth of God and the religion of the Bible, this is not coming down, it is coming up upon a high and elevated level, a higher standpoint where we may commune with God. For this very reason, Christ humiliated Himself to humanity and took upon Himself our natures, that by His own humiliation and suffering and sacrifice, notice this, He might become a stepping stone to fallen men, that they might climb up upon His merits and through His excellence and virtue receive from God an acceptance of their efforts to keep His law. That's similar to the one I shared earlier. A stepping stone. Oh, i got two more. Acts of the Apostles, page 533, which we're studying in our um, Sabbath school. The work of transformation from unholiness to holiness is a continuous one. 
Day by day, God labors for man's sanctification, and man is to cooperate with him, putting forth persevering efforts in the cultivation of right habits. He is to add grace to grace. And as he thus works on the plan of addition, God works for him on the plan of multiplication. Our Savior is always ready to hear and answer the prayer of the contrite heart, and grace and peace are multiplied to his faithful ones. Gladly he grants them the blessings they need in their struggle against the evils that beset them. So as I said, it's day by day, step by step, friends. Keep looking up. Keep climbing. Keep crossing those stones. Keep remembering the memorials that God has set up. Here's one more. Christ's Object Lessons, page 333. Remember that you will never reach a higher standard than you yourself set. (laughs) So let's set our standards high. Let's set our standards on Christ. Amen? And as she says, then set your mark high. And step by step, even though it be by painful effort, by self-denial and sacrifice. Now what I'm going to say is, if you know there are things that the Holy Spirit has brought to your life that you need to change, then you need to start making goals and put them into place to reach them. If you know you have certain habits that that, uh, don't glorify God, set goals to break those habits. Don't buy that stuff anymore. Or don't do that... You know, put yourself in a position where you'll be tempted to do that anymore. You see what I'm saying? Start to cultivate right habits. God will give you the grace to, to reach those goals. She says, Then set your mark high and step by step, even though it be by painful effort, by self-denial and sacrifice, ascend the whole length of the ladder of progress. Let nothing hinder you. Opposing circumstances should create a firm determination to overcome them. The breaking down of one barrier will give greater ability and courage to go forward. Press with determination in the right direction and circumstances will be your helpers, not your hindrances. God's going to open a way for you, friends. Be ambitious for the Master's glory to cultivate every grace of character. In every phase of your character building, you are to please God. This you may do. For Enoch pleased him through living in a, though living in a degenerate age. And there are Enochs in this our day. <laughs> Interesting statement, isn't it? Do not disappoint him who so loved you that he gave his own life to cancel your sins. He says, without me you can do nothing. John 15 verse 5. Remember this. If you have made mistakes, you certainly gain a victory if you see these mistakes and regard them as beacons of warning. Thus, you turn defeat into victory, disappointing the enemy and honoring your Redeemer. If you sin, friends, come to the Master. Ask forgiveness. Stand back up. And you bring honor and glory to God. To everyone engaged in this work, Christ says, I am at your right hand to help you. Do you believe that, friends? As the will of man cooperates with the will of God, and this is something that just blows me away. As the will of man cooperates with the will of God, it becomes omnipotent. Whatever is to be done at His command may be accomplished in His strength. All His biddings are enablings. All His biddings are enablings. He bids you to do something. He enables you to do it. When Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, Go and sin no more. In that statement, he was giving power, enabling her to go more. 
power and victory is available for each of us. Beloved, we need to be reformed into the image of Jesus. We need to change a lifestyle to match His. Are you willing to give all to Jesus? Are you willing to sacrifice all for Him? Are you willing to climb the ladder, to walk across the stepping stones so that you meet Him in the clouds when He returns for the redeemed? I hope so. I pray for that. For me and you. Peter continues in his counsel about how to have a consecrated life. And then he makes an astonishing declaration that should fill us all with hope. We go back to 2 Peter chapter 1. And look at verse 8. He says, For if these things be in you... And he was, remember now, he was talking about add to virtue, add to faith, virtue, etc. All those steps. He says, For if these, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Look at verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. And this is, this is the declaration, he says. For if you do these things, if you keep looking up to Jesus, if you keep climbing the ladder. Now he's not saying you will never... You know, make a mistake and fall. That's part of the learning process, but Jesus picks us back up. But He says, if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Wow. For so an entrance shall be manifested unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So let us climb the ladder. Let us step onto each stepping stone, friends. Let us remember the memorials established by God and that for us. And let's teach others by our example. Let's never look down or never look at each other, friends. Because if you want to find the fault in somebody, you will. But that's not that doesn't help anyone. It certainly doesn't it doesn't help us. It doesn't help me. Yeah, if somebody's, you know. I'm not saying there's not to be counseling and such things. But for our walk, our walk, we need to look up. We need to look up to our Redeemer. By so doing, we will never fall. Isn't that something? Beloved, do you realize that as we take steps closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, we also leave behind stones to encourage others that they too may step where we have and coming closer to the Savior? We are an example to others and we have a testimony to give to the world. This is from the Bible Echo, November 20th, 1899. A test will come to every soul. The natural faults of character, if not determinedly overcome for Christ's sake, will completely master the human soul. Daily there is a battle to be fought which will cost mortification. That's a state of being humbled or... or pressed by disappointment. Um, it may cost reputation, but Jesus risked all this and a hundredfold more than he, that He might bring salvation within the reach of every soul. 
All the humiliation that man could bring, he endured, that through his amazing condescension, man might become the sure stepping stone to his fellow man. So sinful, so weak in moral power. We can be examples. We leave stepping stones for others. Back in Genesis 28, when Jacob awoke that morning, he took the stone he used as a pillow, and he made a memorial to the Lord. In fact, it became a place of worship for God, Bethel. Beloved, as we climb the ladder, as we step on the stones, we too are making a memorial to the Lord by our very life. <laughs> you see, are we like Christ? Are we walking forward in Him? Are we stones in His building? Him being the chief cornerstone. Our Scripture readings lays it out so well. 1 Peter 2 verse 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Do you want to be a memorial to the Lord, friends? Are you willing this day to make a vow to God that you will keep your eyes upon Jesus and whatever reform He wants for your life, you will be diligent to make the change? Are you willing to make a vow to God this day to climb the ladder of Christ and be a stepping stone for others to see Jesus? Friends, if, if you want to make that vow, bow your head with me as we pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so very, very much for your love and care for each one of us. Father, many times we feel so unworthy, but we know that we're valuable in your sight, for you poured out all heaven in Jesus to save us. And Father, we vow this day that by the grace that you grant, by the strength that you provide, by understanding that your biddings, in your biddings you have enablings for us to, to do these things, we vow that by your grace, we will live a, a life for Thee. And we will forsake all things that don't bring glory to Thy name. That we will be stepping stones to others to point to Christ. Father, give us the strength and courage to stand though others will not. May we be shining lights to those around us, stepping stones, ladders to climb for all that they may be saved and see Jesus again. We thank You for the Sabbath day, Lord, and ask for continued blessings as You promised. We thank You for hearing this prayer and answering it. In Jesus' name, Amen.